7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, 12 midnight in New South Wales and in Malaysia. It's 1962. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Yeah! Yay! Hey, Luna Amethyst. Nice to have you along. I saw some of your artwork. I liked it. I think I shared it. Thank you very much. Very nice. Um, I'm just making sure everything's working. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch.tv. Big announcement tonight. It has to do with Miko. If you saw it in the title of the show, you'll know what I'm talking about. That's coming up in just a bit. First day of work yesterday, Luna. Good. Hope it went well for you. Congratulations on your new job. Very nice. And uh, let's see. A couple of announcements, of course. We want to let you know that, well, it did go well. Good. Good news. Um, we are, of as we said, live streaming live to three different platforms but this show is also a podcast so hello to all of our podcast listeners and thank you so much seriously you have no idea the numbers are great people are downloading they're listening uh all as after tonight all 70 episodes of i'm not wearing pants will be up and available on the podcasts. Uh, you can find us, all of your favorite podcast platforms, wherever it is, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. We just made it to Radio Public, if you have that app, and also Stitcher. You'll find us on Stitcher. So, um, Hardee's, oh, I love Hardee's Burgers. I haven't had one of those in 30 years. Um, yeah, so please... Check us out on our podcast. You can just, it's the audio portion only. And last but not least, well, not last, second last, you will find us on rumble.com. That is the full video show. So you get to watch everything that uh, that goes on on the show, not just listen. Uh, the other ones are, of course, podcasts, audio only. And we put that up within 12 hours of when we finish our live stream. And uh, yeah, rumble.com. And please, if I can have a big ask for you, uh, subscribe. Make an account on rumble.com. It's free. And then search I'm Not Wearing Pants. Subscribe to the channel. It really, really helps. Doesn't cost a thing. Absolutely free. And um, yeah, you can watch this uh, video replays on rumble.com. And uh, one one last thing, uh, a way of support, if you're so inclined, not just there, but we're also now on Patreon. So if you would like, you can check us out on Patreon. And I've got a very special offer on Patreon. It just search Jay Sheldon, J-A-Y-S-H-E-L-D-O-N. I'll come up. You'll know it's me. And uh, you can support the show by having an amount of money, a monthly membership, just to support, general support of the show. However, I have a second tier now where, because I do voiceovers, I am offering you the chance to get me doing your voiceover if you're at that second tier level. So you and and right now we've got a special going on. We'll we'll do an extra recording for you. So just check it out on Patreon. 
Just check J. Sheldon on Patreon and you will find me there. Uh, and you, you could hire me. <laughs> Why not? All right. Cool. Okay. So we got all the, um, all the stuff out of the way, except the big Miko announcement. I'm saving that for later. All right. Um, I want to start off the show by a bit of publicity, not for me, but for a project that I was somewhat involved in. Uh, and that is the film Shadow Play. We talked about this before here on the stream. Um, Tony Petra directed, wrote and directed uh, this amazing film. It is a visual feast. It is a dark, noir mishmash of amazingness. Uh, I just made up a bunch of words. <laughs> Your cat says hi. Oh, hello, Luna the cat. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, yes, uh, it is premiering for the first time here in Malaysia. So for my Malaysian audiences... <laughs> Finally, you will get to see Shadow Play if you didn't check it out on any of the other places that it has been available. And what I want to do is to share this with you. Let me make sure I've got everything turned up. I'm going to echo here. Hang with me. So Shadow Play is now available on Kinidia. K-I-N-I-D-I-A. Kinidia, if you're in Malaysia. On that platform, it is available starting right now, in fact. So if you look very carefully, there's a couple shots in here with yours truly in it. This is the trailer for Shadow Play. With his dreams. Why is this happening to me? Look at me. What do you see? You think this is a fucking delusion? I know you're fucking delusional! Shadow play. I'm sorry. I know the audio in the beginning was missing. We got it fixed uh, as we went through there. But yes, indeed, it is available now on uh, on Kennedia. If you are in Malaysia, um, it has been available uh, in the U.S. and uh, a few other places around the pond. Let's see. Um, I know it's available on Vimeo for uh, rent. I think. The Apple platform also. I don't have all the platforms available here. I don't see a list. However, you can you can watch it on Kinidia.com. Uh, 
So check it out. And uh, yeah, you have to pay attention. Turn off your phone. Turn off uh, any distractions. And just watch the film. You might even want to watch it more than once because you got to pay attention. But it is an incredible film. Tony did a remarkable job with this uh, most amazing piece of uh, cinema. All right. Um, yeah, so I spent part of my day with Miko at the vet. I know. Um, yeah, she was not feeling well. And uh, in fact, let me go over here and see if I can share this. I'm not sure that I can or not. Let's see. Ah, oh, here we go. Uh, th again, the lineup, lineup is, is going to be, be all screwy. screwy. Oh, oh, no, no it's, it's not. not. Okay, okay, there, there you go. go. That's, That's Miko, Miko at the vet, vet sadly. Um, she... She has, as you likely know if you listen to the screen for a while, the worst stomach of any dog, I think, anywhere. She eats anything weird, and she pukes, and she has diarrhea, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this because it's really gross, but she got a hold of something that didn't agree with her, and we, I mean, we feed her really good food. In fact, probably better than we ought to, but she's worth it. Anyway, uh, something did not agree with her, and uh, so she wound up at the uh, uh, Mayo Veterinary Clinic over in USJ, Taipan, and they do a great job over there, the very caring doctors, vets. Um, she got a drip, she got a shot, she got some meds, she hasn't eaten for, th this is the third day she's been without food, so uh, hopefully she'll get better. She already has a bit more energy, and she's doing a little better. So, uh, yeah, she's on the road to, the, to uh, recovery, and hopefully that will last for a while. Um, while we're on the subject of Miko... <laughs> I want to share something with you. Let me uh, let me get back up to my. Where is my? Now I don't see it. Hold on, don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. I gotta change cameras. Okay, and we'll go back over here. There we go. Stay with me. It'll be worth it. Where is my? I can't find it now. No, that's really weird. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't see it. Huh. Uh, let's find... Oh, there we go. Where are you? There. <laughs> I found it. Sorry. <laughs> I'm also going to make it just a little bit bigger. Let me get to the side a little bit. It's Miko Merchandise! <laughs> You know, <laughs> we've had uh, I'm Not Wearing Pants merchandise for a while, but I finally decided to use Little Miko for marketing. What the hell? So, uh, yeah, it's Miko merchandise, and you see over there on the, whoops, over there on the shirt, uh, this, is a, this is a hoodie, actually. It's, uh, there's a bunch of different products there you can find. And this has our show logo, and sitting on top of the show logo is Miko. 
kind of wrapping her paws around my head. So uh, that's that's a hoodie that we have. We also have a singlet. Uh, there's this T singlet with the same logo on it on the front. And you can also pick up a hat. Now, Miko insisted that she cannot be used that much for promotion. So she had to have one item with her, with just her. So there's a very cool hat uh, you'll see right here. And um, it's got just Miko's picture. It's embroidered on the hat. Quite nice, actually. Uh, and then, of course, your standard T-shirt. Same thing with the, uh, with the Miko logo for the show. And uh, that's it. That's our book, actually. We'll be doing that later on. <laughs> so uh, you head over to twitch.tv, J. Sheldon No Pants, and you click on the about. Under the about, you'll see merch. J. Sheldon No Pants merch. That's where you'll find all the Miko merch. It is brand new. It was just created yesterday. I have actually ordered some. I don't get it for free. I got to pay too, just like you. So I've ordered some. Uh, you'll find mugs and mouse pads and t-shirts and hoodies and a couple different caps. Uh, there's a few cool items there. And uh, most of them have uh, Miko merchandise. So check it out. It's very cool. Um, and I will have some. So I'll be wearing some on the show and using the coffee cup on the show. I hope my boss doesn't get mad at me. I'll have to replace my studio voxel cup. So, But yeah, Miko merchandise. J. Sheldon No Pants on Twitch.tv. Just look at the about on my page and then check for merchandise. You'll find it there. I will post a link on all my social media accounts so you can just click directly. But in case you just want to find it, just that's how you do it. Twitch.tv slash J. Sheldon No Pants about merch. Just that easy. And you can find it. Order what you will. It also helps to support the show. So thanks for that. Once more. Here we go. All right. It's Facebook review time, time the, the stupid things that people post, and uh, the funny, and often what I will do, I, bear with me now, i got to do some readjusting, here we go again with this, alright, hang on, hang on, I'll get there, don't go away, stay with me. <laughs> don't you love this technical behind the scenes stuff, there you go. Ah. Uh, so, so somebody, somebody posts, I made my steering wheel full of cleansing energy. Now, every time I drive, I vibe up and my car gets a love charge as well. I'm doing my entire car interior with crystals. So you see, they took all these energy crystals and they glued them to the steering wheel. And then someone made the comment, congratulations, you just turned your airbag into a Claymore. Exactly. If this idiot gets in a crash with all these crystal rocks glued to right in the center of her steering wheel, where the airbag pops, Basically, it turns into a Claymore won't mine. Are you using your brain for something other than, you know, to support your hat? You have to be kidding me. 
unbelievable. I said, I said it's, it's mostly, mostly good news. <laughs> hey, hey, here's, here's one, one for you. you. Yeah, yeah this will make, make you think. think. Let me just stretch this up just a little bit so you can see the rest of it. If giving free shots is for the health of the nation, why aren't they giving away free insulin and chemo? A very interesting question. One that you ought to think about. How OCD are you? Are you... I'm... I'm mildly OCD, not crazy, crazy, you know, have to have an even number of everything, got to have everything exactly right. You see, actually, that's not straight either. There we go. Okay. Um, <laughs> hey, RFD, it's Misha. Good to see you, Misha. Thanks for joining along on the ride here. Misha has joined the stream on his uh, phone, on your phone, because... Uh, Getting ready for the day. All right. Well, it's good to have you along for the ride. Thank you very much for that. Um, got another one for all you OCD folks out there. How about this one? Hey, perfectionists. Here it is. An 89-degree angle. Have a nice day. <laughs> oh, man. That just hurts. That's just mean. There. An 89 you see that? You see, it's just, just not 90. <laughs> oh, man. That's, okay, uh, that's a limit on my OCD. That would get me. <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> okay. I saw this story. It was on Hypebeast.com. Uh, hat tip to Hypebeast. Under a uh, heading called Hype Art. That's H-Y-P-E Art. Um, Today is big. Tomorrow is the day I fly to Florida with my family. And you're going to Disney World. Nice. I have been. I've got a picture somewhere. A few pictures of uh, of my partner at the time and I at Disney World. When I lived in, in Key West in Florida. We drove up to uh, Disney World. It was a lot of fun. First and last time I was ever there. But uh, it, it, was, it was a blast. It was a really, really good time. We enjoyed ourselves a lot. All right, here we go. I, I saw, saw this uh, story and, and again, again had to share it. it. Um, I, don't I don't know if this headline's going to work or not, but we'll try. Let's see. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really fit. fit. All right. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, what. Let me just read the story because there's no pictures to go along with it. Italian artist Salvador Grau has just sold... An invisible sculpture. There's like a pedestal and there's nothing on it. But he says there is something on it. It's an invisible sculpture that I created. The artist explains the Io Sono, I am sculpture, a uh, sculpture exists, but just not in material form. It's actually, he says, more like a vacuum. The 67-year-old went on to elaborate that the vacuum is nothing more than a space 
full of energy. And even if we empty it and there's nothing left, according to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, that nothing has weight. Therefore, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into, you know what, I'm not even going to, here's the kicker. This invisible sculpture, literally, it, there's nothing there. It sold for 18,000 USD. It's one thing to have offered this sculpture, invisible sculpture, but some idiot bought it for 18,000 USD. Who's the bigger fool? I'd say the guy with the checkbook. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you, you know, know David, David Suzuki? Suzuki? I, I promised mostly good things tonight, but there were a couple things that I had to talk about that really anged my crank, and that was one of them. Um, yeah, people will sell literally anything. Um, okay, David Suzuki, I saw this, and especially now in Malaysia, we've got a bunch of buffalo sandwich crap going on with uh, cutting down forests and destroying beautiful wilderness habitats all for the sake of a fast buck. A David Suzuki quote that a friend of mine posted, Foo, thank you so much for your posts. I constantly use them on this show and it really, really adds a lot. The way we see the world shapes the way we treat it. This is David Suzuki saying this. If a mountain was a deity, not a pile of ore. If a forest was a sacred grove, not timber. If other species are our biological kin, not resources. Or if the planet is our mother, not an opportunity. And then we will treat each other with greater respect. Thus is the challenge to look at the world from a different perspective. David Suzuki. I thought that was brilliant. If only, if only we could learn to do that, that would be nice. All right, the dogs are going crazy next door. I got a challenge for you. Trivia challenge, 80s trivia. You ready for this? I hope so. All right, I'm going to show you a picture. Here, Here we go. go. You, you see, see that? that? Now, now, some people, this picture will automatically go, I know that. Other people will be going, what the hell? This is from a film. Do you know the film? There's a part two to this challenge. Can you name this 80s film? It was 1985 when this movie came out. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, nope. I knew somebody was going to say that. Locus Pocus popping in. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining there, uh, Locus. But no, I'm sorry, not Breakfast Club. Um, try again. It was 1985, 
It, it was, was a classic. classic. And, and in, in fact, fact look, look, look at the, the hairdos. hairdos. Yes, Locus, you are right. Saint Elmo's Fire is the film. Now, now here's part two of the challenge. How many of these guys can you name? Not all of them continued on to have careers. Some did. Most did. Uh, some went crazy popular. And uh, others, not so much. But um, can you name the people in this picture from St. Elmo's Fire? Honestly, before I saw the answer, I knew maybe two of them. The guy all the way over on the left, I hope it's oriented right, our video is not flipped. The guy on the right, don't know him? Yes, Rob Lowe, that's exactly right. Rob Lowe is the guy all the way over on the left, sorry, on the left. Um, you see uh, all the way over here on the right, He's had some, uh, he's had a bit of success. I don't think anything really recently. But that is Andrew McCarthy. Also in the back, uh, the guy in the blue shirt. Most people would probably recognize him because of his family connections. That is Emilio Estevez. Uh, Judd Nelson is there right next to Emilio. Also, Ali Sheedy. Yeah, very familiar faces, Locus. You're exactly right. Ali Sheedy's in there. And Demi Moore. Unbelievably. Doesn't look anything like the Demi Moore. Demi Moore we knew in other films. But yeah, that's Ali Sheedy, Judd Nelson, Emilio Estevez, Demi Moore. Uh, oh, Mayor Winningham also. I forgot to mention Mayor. Mayor Winningham is in there. Rob Lowe and Andy McCarthy. Unbelievable. When I saw this, uh, oh, man, I love the theme to this movie, too. It is brilliant. Uh, the St. Elmo's Fire instrumental song, which was a big hit. Usually instrumentals other than maybe Chariots of Fire, something like that. Uh, nowadays, I don't think an instrumental would go very far at all. But, um, yeah, back in the day, St. Elmo's Fire was uh, was a very big hit. Very cool. 1985 Memories. How about that? Yeah. Okay, a uh, couple of pieces of good news here. Oh, <laughs> before I do that, let me just show you this. A friend of mine posted this. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd share it because it's funny. You don't have a skeleton inside of you. Think about this. You're a brain. That's all you are. Your brain. You are inside of a skeleton, but you're just the brain. That's who you are. You're the brain. You're inside a skeleton, and you are piloting a bone mech that's using meat armor. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a way to look at yourself. When you're starting to feel like, you know, you're too important, it doesn't stink when you poop. That's a nice way of putting it. You don't have a skeleton in you. You're a brain. That's all you are. You're inside a skeleton and you're piloting a bone mech that's using meat armor. I love this stuff. 
Oh, man. All right. I got a million of them. We're going to get through them quickly here. A, uh, a couple of really good news. I, As you know, I have a, a show called Random Acts. It is on Facebook. You can look it up, Random Acts Malaysia. And uh, yeah, sadly, we, we have, have not, not been, been able, able to... to I'm, I'm going to talk while I adjust the screen here, so bear with me, okay? Uh, we, we have, have not, sadly, been able to do a whole lot of shooting because of lockdowns here. So they've limited how many times we can go out, how big the crew is, uh, how much we can shoot, um, where we can shoot. You know what? I just can't make this fit no matter what I do. So I didn't think it's going to work. Let's just go back. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll pop it up here to the picture of this amazing gentleman, the one on the right and the fellow uh, there on the uh, on the left. Great story out of Our Neighbors of the South, Singapore. An elderly Singapore man went out for a haircut, but he forgot how to get home. So he sought help from fellow commuters. He got on the MRT the MRT train, and thankfully he encountered a kind stranger who arranged for him to be uh, sent home in a grab car. Grab is, for you in the U.S., it's like an Uber uh, here. Uh, even gave him cash to pay the fare. That is so amazing. The man's son took to Facebook to share the story of the encounter and to thank the stranger. The, the stranger's name was Jun Ji. Um, really grateful, he said. It's been shared like 2,000 times in four hours. Uh, the elderly man could remember his son's phone number. Uh, while Ku's father had forgotten how to get home, he did remember his son's phone number. So uh, Junji called Ku, said that, and Ku actually thought it was a scam at first. But uh, as it turns out, it was not. It was just some guy trying to do the right thing, do a random act of kindness. And so he put him in a grab car, paid the fare, and sent him home. That is, that is amazing. That is above and beyond the call of duty. That is such a nice story out of, uh, out of Singapore. And um, not to be outdone, <laughs> um, this from the World of Buzz here in Malaysia, another beautiful uh, story that will get you right in the feels. Uh, again, again, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, I can't, I can't get, get this thing to line up here. It, it's always messing up. You know, those of you listening on the podcast are going to wonder what the hell I'm talking about. What you need to do is to go to rumble.com and check out the video uh, version of our show. Rumble.com, I'm not wearing pants. All right, I can't get the whole thing up there, it doesn't fit. But this, uh, the headline from World of the Buzz, kind Malaysian pays for fathers struggling to afford baby necessities in a uh, Bangi supply store. This, again, gives you the feels. Um, it's a story of a recent Facebook post of uh, some kind and selfless Malaysian from Selangor going viral on social media. Um, he saw a man searching for the least expensive brand of diapers. So here's the guy, and he's checking out, and he, and he saw it concerned about finding diapers for his baby and uh, trying to figure out which was the least expensive. So anyway, as it wound up, this gentleman, when he was checking out, 
wound up behind the guy looking for diapers in line. Um, and for reasons I won't go into here, it was kind of obvious that he was not a wealthy person. Well, when the guy got up to the counter ahead of our Good Samaritan, um, the Good Samaritan paid for his purchase, paid for the diapers, just as a way of doing a random act of kindness, which is just brilliant, just amazing. Such an incredible story and uh, such a random act of kindness. We need to do more. We need to do more of those sorts of things. Um, your voice is echoey. Again? All right. I think I know how to fix that. There. Now it's not. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so thank you. You know, do one yourself. Just find something today and do it. Pay for the guy ahead of you in line. Pay for somebody's coffee at your local uh, coffee shop. Whatever it might be. Do a random act of kindness. You don't need to support my show on Facebook. If you want to, that's great. You'll find it Random Acts Malaysia. Um, but that's not the idea behind what we're talking about. It's doing the random acts that really, really does matter. Got another one for you. One last one. And then we'll move along. Um, here. Again, <laughs> I can't get this to line up. So I'm going to stop trying. Um, but this is a really cool story. One of my favorite secret, well, not so secret anymore, joys about my apartment, this fellow who wrote this, is watching people bring their dogs to the tennis court next door to free run within the fence. <clears throat> we actually have that here. We've got basketball courts in our area. And when there's no one in there, we will bring Miko and a tennis ball and we'll just let her run. It's She can be off leash. And so um, Locust says, one time I saw a girl crying in the bus, so I gave her my tissue napkins, apple and water. Very sweet of you. Thank you very much for that. A round of applause, Locust. I know that, you know what? The thing is that when people do that, it, they didn't do it for the applause or the tip of the hat. They do it because their heart's in the right place. That's why they do it. And that's exactly right. Okay, on to this one. So they've got this tennis court. People will go in there to play with their dogs off leash. And very often, this person who lives in, in an apartment above the tennis court will hear the comment, oh no, we forgot a ball. Well, this guy says, guess who bought a bunch of old tennis balls for exactly that purpose? He throws them from the upper floor apartment windows so that they go over the fence and land in the center of the court and then bounce really high. So there's no mistake that someone just now threw them. And then this person hides and watches. The people say the tennis ball must have come from heaven. They say it materialized out of thin air. They can't figure it out. The dog and the people have a great time. They play, and then they go home. And just before they leave, the owner looks around 
and then looks up at the sky in wonder. And usually the pupper gets to take home their present from the sky like a trophy. No one's the wiser, and it is the best. <laughs> I love that story. That is such a cool thing. <laughs> I live on a landed property, but I'm telling you, if, if I lived, I would absolutely grab a bag of old tennis balls and be tossing those things off every time. That is such a cool story. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, we get, do I have time for this? What do you mean, do I have time for this? It's my show. I have all the time I want. Uh, can we do one more? What happens after you die? What happens after you die? Lots of things happen after you die. They just don't involve you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, man. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> I think about death too much. How about this one? One more? If our eyes saw souls instead of bodies, how different our ideals of beauty would be? Think about that. If our eyes only saw souls instead of bodies, how very different our ideals of beauty would be. Very true. Very true. All right. Um, we're going to move on to Peter Pan, and we're almost done. In fact, if it's not too long of a chapter, I think we're going to wind up finishing Peter Pan tonight. Um, let's go back to where we left off. It's chapter 17, When Wendy Grew Up. And it looks to me like, uh, yeah, we may just wind up finishing the book tonight and then move on to The Little Prince coming up. Before we do that, thank you again uh, for those of you who don't stay with us for the book, because I not, know not everybody enjoys listening to me read the book. However, um, we want to remind you, please, to like and subscribe on wherever you're watching us or go to all three. YouTube, Jay Sheldon, uh, Twitch.tv, Jay Sheldon, No Pants, and Facebook. I'm not wearing pants. On twitch.tv, you can check out our new merch. It is Miko merch featuring our Shiba Inu dog, Miko, whom you see on the stream regularly. In fact, she was going to be on tonight, but she's still not feeling quite well, so she's still recovering. But yeah, you can get your Miko merch at twitch.tv, Jay Sheldon, no pants. Podcasts, thank you for listening all across the podcast, wherever you, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. We're on all of the um, usual places you find your favorite podcasts, and thank you for that. Like and subscribe and download. Appreciate it. All right. Let us move on into the miraculous adventures of Peter Pan and uh, Wendy. Wendy Goes Home is the name of the final chapter. I hope you want to know what became of the other boys. They were waiting below to give Wendy time to explain about them, and when they had counted five hundred, they went up. 
They went up by the stairs because they thought this would make a better impression. They stood in a row in front of Mrs. Darling with their hats off and wishing they were not wearing their pirate clothes. They said nothing, but their eyes asked her to have them. They ought to have looked at Mr. Darling, but they kind of forgot about him. Of course, Mrs. Darling said at once that she would have them, but Mr. Darling was curiously depressed, and they saw that he considered six a rather large number. I must say, he said to Wendy, that you don't do things by halves, a grudging remark which the twins thought was pointed at them. The first twin was the proud one, and asked, flushing, Do you think we should be too much of a handful, sir? Because if so, we can go away. Father, Wendy cried, shocked, but still the cloud was on him. He knew he was behaving unworthily, but he couldn't help it. We could lie double up, said Nibs. I always cut their hair myself, said Wendy. George, Mrs. Darling exclaimed, pained to see her dear one showing himself in such an unfavorable light. Then he burst into tears, and the truth came out. He was as glad to have them as she was, he said, but he thought they should have asked his consent as well as hers, instead of treating him as a cipher in his own house. I don't think he is a cipher, Toodles cried instantly. Do you think he's a cipher, Curly? No, I don't. Do you think he's a cipher slightly? Rather not, twin. What do you think? Well, it turned out that not one of them thought he was a cipher, and he was absurdly gratified, and he said he would find space for them all in the drawing room if they fitted in. Oh, we'll fit in, sir, they assured him. Then follow the leader, he cried gaily. Mind you, I'm not sure that we have a drawing room, but we pretend we have, and it's all the same. Hoopla! Well, he went off dancing through the house, and they all cried, Hoopla! and danced after him, searching for the drawing room. And I forgot whether they found it, but at any rate, they found corners, and they all fitted in. Now, as for Peter, he saw Wendy once again before he flew away. He did not exactly come to the window, but he brushed against it in passing, so that she could open it if she liked and call to him. And this is what she did. Hello, Wendy. Goodbye he said. Oh, dear, are you going away? Yes. You don't feel, Peter, she said falteringly, that you would like to say anything to my parents about a very sweet subject? No. About me, Peter? No. Well, Mrs. Darling came to the window, and for a present she was keeping a sharp eye on Wendy. 
She told Peter that she had adopted all the other boys, and she would like to adopt him, too. Would you send me to school? he inquired craftily. Yes. And then to an office? I suppose so. Soon I would be a man? Oh, very soon. Well, I don't want to go to school and learn solemn things, he told her passionately. I don't want to be a man. Oh, Wendy's mother, if I was to wake up and feel there was a beard. Peter, said Wendy the comforter, I should love you in a beard. And Mrs. Darling stretched out her arms to him, but he repulsed her. Peter, Peter said, Keep back, lady. No one is going to catch me and make me a man. But where are you going to live? With Tink, in the house we built for Wendy. The fairies are to put it high up among the treetops where they sleep at nights. How lovely, cried Wendy, so longingly that Mrs. Darling tightened her grip. I thought all the fairies were dead. Mrs. Darling said. Oh, there were a lot of young ones, explained Wendy, who was now quite an authority. Because, you see, when a new baby laughs for the first time, a new fairy is born. And as there are always new babies, there are always new fairies. They live in nests in the tops of the trees, and the mauve ones are boys, and the white ones are girls. And the blue ones are just little sillies who are not sure what they are. I shall have such fun, said Peter, with an eye on Wendy. It will be rather lonely in the evening, she said, sitting by the fire. Oh, I shall have Tink. Tink can't go a twentieth part of the way round. She reminded him a little tartly. Sneaky tell-tale, Tink called out from somewhere around the corner. It doesn't matter, Peter said. Oh, Peter, you know it matters. Well, then, come with me to my little house. May I, Mommy? Certainly not. I have got you home again, and I need to keep you. But he does so need a mother. So do you, my love. Oh, all right, Peter said, as if he asked her from politeness merely, but Mrs. Darling saw his mouth twitch, and she made his handsome offer to let Wendy go with him for a week every year to do his spring cleaning. Wendy would have preferred a more permanent arrangement, and it seemed to her that spring would be very long in coming. But this promise sent Peter away quite gay again. He had no sense of time, and so was full of adventure that all I have told you about him is only a happening worth of them. I suppose it was because Wendy knew that this, her last words to him, were these rather plaintive ones. 
You won't forget me, Peter, will you? Before spring cleaning time comes. Of course, Peter promised and then flew away. He took Mrs. Darling's kiss with him. The kiss that had been for no one else. Peter took quite easily. Funny, but she seemed satisfied. Of course, all the boys went to school, and most of them got into class three, but slightly was put first into class four, and then into class five. Class one is the top class. Before they had attended school a week, they saw what goats they'd been not to remain on the island. But it was too late now, and soon they settled down to being as ordinary as you or me or Jenkins Minor. It's sad to have to say that the power to fly gradually left them. At first, Nana tied their feet to the bedpost so that they should not fly away in the night, and one of their diversions by day was to pretend to fall off buses. Well, but by and by, they ceased to tug at the bonds in their bed and found that they hurt themselves when they let go of the bus. In time, they could not even fly after their hats. Want of practice, they called it, but what it really meant was that they no longer believed. Michael believed longer than the other boys, though they jeered at him. So he was with Wendy when Peter came for her at the end of the first year. She flew away with Peter in the frock she had woven from leaves and berries in the Neverland and her one fear was that he might notice how short it had become. But he never noticed. He had so much to say about himself. She'd looked forward to thrilling talks with him about old times, but new adventures had crowded the old ones from his mind. Who is Captain Hook? he asked with interest when she spoke of his arch-enemy. Don't you remember, she asked, amazed, how you killed him and saved all of our lives? I forget them after I killed them, he replied carelessly. When she expressed a doubtful hope that Tinkerbell would be glad to see her, he said, Who is Tinkerbell? Oh, Peter, she said, shocked. But even when she explained, he could not remember. There are a lot of them, he said. I expect she is no more. I expect he was right, for fairies don't live long, but they are so little that a short time seems a good while to them. Wendy was pained to find that the past year was but as yesterday to Peter. It had seemed such a long year of waiting to her, but he was exactly as fascinating as ever and they had a lovely spring cleaning in the little house in the treetops. Next year, he didn't come for her. She waited in a new frock because the old one simply would not meet. But he never came. Perhaps he's ill, Michael said. Oh, you know he's never ill. Michael came close to her and whispered with a shiver, Perhaps... There is no such person, Wendy. And then Wendy would have cried if Michael had not been crying. Peter came next spring cleaning, 
And the strange thing was that he never knew he'd missed a year. That was the last time the girl Wendy ever saw him. For a little longer she tried for his sake, not to have growing pains, but she felt she was untrue to him when she got a prize for general knowledge. But the years came and went without bringing the careless boy. And when they met again, Wendy was a married woman, and Peter was no more to her than a little dust in the box in which she'd kept her toys. Wendy was grown up. You need not be sorry for her. She was one of the kind that likes to grow up, and in the end she grew up of her own free will, a day quicker than other girls. All the boys were grown up and done for by this time, so it's scarcely worthwhile saying anything more about them. You may see the twins and Nibs and Curly any day going to an office, each carrying a little bag and an umbrella. Michael is an engine driver, slightly married a lady of title, and so he became a lord. You see that judge in a wig coming at the iron door? That used to be Toodles. The bearded man who doesn't know any story to tell his children was once John. Wendy was married in a white with a pink sash. It is strange to think that Peter did not alight in the church and forbid the bands. Years rolled on. Wendy had a daughter. This ought not to be written in ink, but in a gold splash. She was called Jane and always had an odd inquiring look, as if from the moment she arrived on the mainland, she wanted to ask questions. When she was old enough to ask them, they were mostly about Peter Pan. She loved to hear of Peter, and Wendy told her all she could remember in the very nursery from which the famous flight had taken place. It was Jane's nursery now, for her father had bought it at three per cents from Wendy's father, who was no longer fond of stairs. Mrs. Darling was now dead and forgotten. There were only two beds in the nursery now, Jane's and her nurse's, and there was no kennel, for Nana had also passed away. She died of old age, and at the end she'd been rather difficult to get on with, being very firmly convinced that no one knew how to look after children except herself. Once a week, Jane's nurse had an evening off, and then it was Wendy's part to put Jane to bed. That was the time for stories. It was Jane's invention to raise the sheet over Mother's head and her own, thus making a tent, and in the awful darkness to whisper, What do we see now? I don't think I see anything tonight, says Wendy, with a feeling that if Nana were here, she would object to further conversation. Yes, you do, says Jane. You see, when you were a little girl. Oh, that's a long time ago, sweetheart, says Wendy. Ah, me, how time flies. Does it fly? asks the artful child. The way you flew? When you were a little girl, the way I flew. Do you know, Jane, 
I sometimes wonder whether I ever did really fly. Oh, yes, you did. The dear old days when I could fly. Why can't you fly now, mother? Oh, because I'm grown up, dearest. When people grow up, they forget the way. Why do they forget the way? Well, because they're no longer gay and innocent and heartless. It's only the gay and innocent and heartless who can fly. What is gay and innocent and heartless? I do wish I were gay and innocent and heartless. Or perhaps Wendy admits she does see something. I do believe, she says, that this is the nursery. I do believe it is, says Jane. Go on. They are now embarked on the great adventure of the night when Peter flew in looking for his shadow. The foolish fellow, says Wendy, tried to stick it on with soap, and when he couldn't, he cried, and that woke me, and I sewed it on for him. You've missed a bit, interrupts Jane, who now knows the story better than her mother. When you saw him sitting on the floor crying, what did you say? Well, I sat up in bed and I said, boy, why are you crying? Yes, that was it, said Jane with a big breath. And then he flew us all away to the Neverland, and the fairies, and the pirates, and the redskins, and the mermaid's lagoon, and the home under the ground, and the little house. Yes, which did you like best of all? I think I like the home under the ground best of all. Oh, yes, so do I. What was the last thing Peter ever said to you? The last thing he ever said to me was, just always be waiting for me, and then some night you will hear me crowing. Yes, but alas, he forgot all about me, Wendy said with a smile. She was as grown up as that. What did his crow sound like, Jane asked one evening. It was like this, Wendy said, trying to imitate Peter's crow. No, it wasn't, Jane said gravely. It was like this, and she did it ever so much better than her mother. Wendy was a little startled. My darling, how can you know? Oh, I often hear it while I'm sleeping, Jane said. Ah, yes. Many girls hear it when they're sleeping, but I was the only one who heard it awake. <laughs> Lucky you, said Jane. And then one night came the tragedy. It was the spring of the year, and the story had been told for the night, and Jane was now asleep in her bed. Wendy was sitting on the floor very close to the fire so as to see to darn for there was no other light in the nursery. And while she sat darning, she heard a crow. And then the window blew open as of old, and Peter dropped on the floor. He was exactly the same as ever, 
and Wendy saw at once that he still had all his first teeth. He was a little boy, and she was grown up. She huddled by the fire, not daring to move, helpless and guilty, a big woman. Hello, Wendy, he said, not noticing any difference, for he was thinking chiefly of himself. And in the dim light, her white dress might have been the nightgown in which he had first seen her. Hello, Peter, she replied faintly, squeezing herself as small as possible. Something inside her was crying, Woman, woman, let go of me. Hello, where's John? he asked, suddenly missing the third bed. Oh, John is not here now, she gasped. Is Michael asleep? he asked with a careless glance at Jane. Yes, she answered, and now she felt that she was untrue to Jane as well as to Peter. That's not Michael, she said quickly, lest a judgment should fall on her. Peter looked. Hello, is it a new one? Yes. Boy or girl? Girl. Now surely he would understand, but not a bit of it. Peter, she said falteringly, are you expecting me to fly away with you? Of course. This is why I've come, he added a little sternly. Have you forgotten that this is spring cleaning time? Well, she knew that it was useless to say that he had let many spring cleaning times pass. I can't come, she said apologetically. I've forgotten how to fly. I'll soon teach you again. Oh, Peter, don't waste your fairy dust on me. She had risen, and now, at last, a fear assailed him. What is it? he cried, shrinking. I will turn up the light, she said, and then you can see for yourself. For almost the only time in his life that I know of, Peter was afraid. Don't turn up the light, he cried. She let her hand play in the hair of the tragic boy. She was not a little girl heartbroken about him. She was a grown woman, smiling at it all. But they were wet-eyed smiles. Then she turned up the light, and Peter saw. He gave a cry of pain. And when the tall, beautiful creature stooped to lift him in her arms, he drew back sharply. What is it? he cried again. She had to tell him. I am old, Peter. I am ever so much more than twenty. I grew up a long time ago. You promised not to. I couldn't help it. I'm a married woman, Peter. No, you're not. Yes. And this little girl in the bed is my baby. No, she's not. But he supposed she was, and he took a step towards the sleeping child with his dagger upraised. Of course, he did not strike. He sat down on the floor instead and sobbed, and Wendy didn't know how to comfort him. Though she could have done it quite easily once, she was only a woman now, and she ran out of the room. 
to try to think. Peter continued to cry, and soon his sobs woke Jane. She sat up in bed and was interested at once. Boy, she said, why are you crying? Peter rose and bowed to her, and she bowed to him from the bed. Hello, he said. Hello, said Jane. My name is Peter Pan, he told her. Yes, I know. I came back for my mother, he explained, to take her to the Neverland. Yes, I know, Jane said. I've been waiting for you. When Wendy returned diffidently, she found Peter sitting on the bedpost, crowing gloriously, while Jane, in her nightie, was flying around the room in solemn ecstasy. "'She's my mother!' Peter exclaimed, and Jane descended and stood by his side with the look in her face that he liked to see on ladies when they gazed at him. "'He does so need a mother,' Jane said. "'Yes,' I know, Wendy admitted rather forlornly. No one knows it as well as I. Goodbye, said Peter to Wendy, and he rose in the air, and the shameless Jane rose with him. It was already her easiest way of moving about. Wendy rushed to the window. No, no, she cried. It's just for spring cleaning time, Jane said. He wants me always to do his spring cleaning. If I could only go with you, Wendy sighed. You see, you can't fly, said Jane. Of course, in the end, Wendy let them fly away together. Our last glimpse of her is at the window, watching them receding into the sky until they were as small as stars. As you look at Wendy, you may see her hair becoming white and her little figure again, for all this happened long ago. Jane is now a common grown-up with a daughter named Margaret, and every spring cleaning time, except when he forgets, Peter comes for Margaret and takes her to the Neverland, where she tells him stories about himself to which he listens eagerly. And when Margaret grows up, she will have a daughter who is to be Peter's mother in turn. And thus it will go on for as long as children are gay and innocent and heartless. And that's the end of Peter Pan. Wow, we made it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, that was a long chapter, but I knew we wanted to close it out tonight. So there you go. Peter Pan. Amazing. What a great story. Didn't tray, stray too far from the films and the movies that were made, uh, Peter Pan's story. But uh, reading the book certainly is a lot different than... Uh, than watching the movie. All right. So coming up next time, which will be on uh, Monday's stream, we will start a brand new book, The Little Prince. Yes. Uh, you're going to love that. If you don't know The Little Prince, trust me, you'll love it. If you do, hopefully you'll enjoy hearing it again 
read by yours truly. Thanks to the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. And uh, that's where we find all of our public domain books to be able to read copyright free for you. Check it out, gutenberg.org. Great people over there. All right, my friends, uh, we're out of here. We thank you so much. Like, subscribe, rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. Check out the channel, sign up for an account, and please subscribe. You'll also find me on Patreon over there as Jay Sheldon if you'd like to help uh, support our activities here. Until next time, my friends, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. Good night.